This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we dig further into St. Luke's Gospel with Institution of the Holy Eucharist, Who is the Greatest?, Peter's Denial Foretold, Jesus Prays on the Mount of Olives, Betrayal and Arrest of Jesus. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider.
open my lips.
reading from 1 Peter, chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice that joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. O Lord, have mercy upon us. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But now, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. That great theologian, Woody Allen, supposedly said, 80% of life is just showing up. Well, maybe. I'm not really quite sure of that. Because in addition to just showing up, we also do an awful lot of waiting. Waiting for this, waiting for that, waiting for the very next thing. Maybe it's not 80%, but a lot of life is just waiting. But this week, for many of you, the waiting will finally be over. Tonight, the vicarage assignments. Tomorrow, calls into the ministry. For some of you, you've been waiting a long time, four years, maybe even longer than that. But at last, you will receive your call and the waiting will be over. And then what? What happens next? Well, you'll start waiting again. <laughs> at least, at least for the end of the school year. But this time, I can assure you that everybody will be waiting right along with you, including and especially the faculty. <laughs> so waiting is something that all of us do, Christians included. And in fact, it is precisely as Christians 
that we must wait, as is suggested by this morning's reading, waiting for an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, ready to be revealed in the last time. Kept in heaven. It's really secure. It's guaranteed. Nothing's going to happen to it. And it's all done. It's finished. It's ready to be revealed. But not quite yet. And so, we wait. And while we wait, what happens? Well, here again, Peter tells us, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Yes, trials, temptations, tests. They are all an integral part of the Christian life. And sometimes it feels as if they were as much as 80% of life or even more. Now, the first recipients of Peter's letter knew exactly what he was talking about. They were slandered, reviled, mocked. They were put in danger. They were treated unfairly. They were threatened. Their waiting was riddled with temptations and trials. But not everyone is tested in the same way. Trials are as various as the people who experience them. You don't know my trials. I don't know your trials. But we both know that we have them. Each and every one of us has a set of trials that really tries our patience and sometimes even our faith. Indeed, as the apostle points out again, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When the waiting comes to an end, so do the tests and temptations and trials. That's something to look forward to. It's something to hope for, but not quite yet. We have to wait. Now, I have never really been thrilled at the idea that God wants to test the genuineness of my faith. I don't like to think about it. I don't like to think that I need that test. But the scriptures assure us of one thing, that such testing, it's according to the will of God, so that when it comes, it does not mean that God is angry at me, or that he's punishing me, or that the work of Jesus on behalf of my sins wasn't good enough, and that I'm still stuck in them, and I'm still heading to hell. No, it doesn't mean any of that. Instead, it means that, as the scriptures assure us, that the Lord is disciplining those whom he loves. The Lord is chastising everyone whom he receives. So this period of waiting and the tests, temptations, trials that accompany it mean that the Lord loves us. I mean, that's for sure. 
He wants our waiting to end in success and triumph. And so we experience lots of stuff that troubles us because it drives us back to him. It drives us back to his word and to his promises. And he does this instead of letting us ah, drift along and drift along and drift away from the faith because life is so good when it really isn't and we are so weak and we really are. So the time of waiting, the time of testing is really for our good. To keep us grounded in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Peter also gives us a couple of pointers here on how to endure, how to wait successfully. And he does so by reminding us of the prophets. Now here's some folks who really had to wait. And they waited without ever experiencing the accomplishment of any of those things, those prophecies that God had given them. Peter says, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you. So Moses predicted a prophet that the Lord would raise up. Listen to him, said Moses. But Moses never saw that prophet. David spoke about a descendant who would ascend into the heavens, sit on the right hand of God, and reign over all things. But David never saw that descendant. Isaiah prophesied the suffering servant. He didn't see him. And even John the Baptist, the greatest of all the prophets, the one who recognized Jesus as the Lamb of God, well, he was dead before he saw Jesus' accomplishment of that task in taking away the sin of the world. Now, all of these and others, too, investigated what the Spirit was revealing when he predicted the sufferings and the glorifications of the Messiah. But they never saw their fulfillment. But we, we live on the other side of those prophecies. And like Peter's first hearers, to us has been announced through the preaching by the Spirit sent from heaven, things into which the angels long to look. Now think about that, things into which the angels long to look. Now, there's so much in the gospel that fits that description. I mean, there's tons of it. So it's just kind of too bad that we're so familiar with it that we sometimes miss all of this wonderful stuff. So let's just reflect on how amazing it is. Why angels would be interested in this? Well, God becomes man and humbles himself. That's pretty amazing. But there's more. This God-man goes around doing good and telling people they can call upon God as Father, and the people reject him. His disciples abandon him. The leaders of Jews and Gentiles execute him as a common criminal, horrifying, but also amazing. But the most amazing thing of all, and Easter proclaims it, that it was for our sake that God made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now that's amazing. 
So God did all of this for us, for you, for me, for everybody, to redeem us all from sin and evil and everything that the devil piles upon us. They are all gone in our risen Lord, Jesus Christ. And so to us, the good news has now come. And by the power of the Spirit, it is true for us as it was true for those first hearers of Peter's epistle. Though we have not seen Jesus Christ, we love him. Though we do not now see him, we believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. So, it's true. We do have to wait. And waiting brings with it testing, trials, temptations. But we are waiting in the era, era of fulfillment because of what God has done in time and space. We not only have the promises of eternal life and resurrection, we have the fact that God keeps his word. He keeps those promises. Jesus came. By the prophecies, he promised a savior. And that savior came and has triumphed. That's our faith. It's actually our triumph. And you know what? It's also our message. Not some of the time, not 80% of the time, but 100% of the time, the Lord is risen. Hallelujah. Amen.
In our prayers, we remember Cindy Johnson and seminarian Andrew Hill as they mourned the death of their mother and grandmother, Barbara Marquart Johnston. We also give thanks to God for the birth of a daughter, Sophia Ruth, to seminarian Peter and Rebecca Wagner. Let us pray. O oh God, through the humiliation of your Son, you raised up the fallen world. Grant to your faithful people, rescued from the peril of everlasting death, perpetual gladness and eternal joys. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Jesus Christ, you are the resurrection and the life. Comfort those who mourn the death of Barbara with the sure and certain hope of the resurrection of the body, so that they might rejoice in the glory of your revelation. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, you sent your own Son into this world as the child of Mary. We thank you for the life of this child, Sophia Ruth, entrusted to our care. Bring her to the saving waters of holy baptism and grant that precious inheritance awaiting her in your eternal kingdom. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by your governance, may be righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord Almighty bless us and direct our days and our deeds in his peace. <laughs>